It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast and the last in our second season of Countryside Adventures. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the editor of the magazine. As it's the last episode, it's a pretty special one. I was lucky enough to get to speak to Paul Whitehouse, who's returning to our screens this summer with fellow comedian Bob Mortimer in Mortimer and Whitehouse Gone Fishing. I got to talk to him about why basically a series about fishing has been such a massive success and is deservedly back for a second season. But we soon stray off topic and it ends up as a very enjoyable chat about life and fish. Uh, Well, congratulations on the the second series. Um, Brilliant. I I loved the first series so much. I I was a bit late to it, although we did something on on it in the magazine. But once I started watching, and I'm a fish watcher more more than a fish catcher, but I Yeah, do you know what? As I I get older, I probably would be a fish watcher quite happily, to be honest. And I, I think I think a lot of fishermen, not all, or anglers, should I say, would probably feel the same. I think if they were told they can't fish anymore, I don't think. I think the majority of them would still care for the welfare of the fish. I think it's more about that than anything else, to be honest. Uh, well, you're right. I think that I know a lot of anglers who, who, and like myself, I can't cross a bridge without just sort of leaning over and staring into it. Um, so second series, uh, I've seen just the first episode. Um, are there any surprises? Is it is it pretty much? Have oh, you seen the the Wales one? The yeah, Island. yeah. I, I live on um, I live in Abergavenny, so uh, I was very familiar no. with the Glen. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know the. I, I, oh, I, that's probably a bit dull for you then. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. There, I've only come here. Right. No, it's uh, nice well, to see the Usk. Know. 
do you know, the Oscar doesn't get much much publicity though. It's always the Y and the Seven, and you know, I'm a bit yeah. bored of the Y and the Seven, frankly. So it's good to see the Oscar. Oh, <laughs> very good. Why are why are you bored of the Seven? There well, you go. Yeah, lovely. Um, so so you had a good time there. I saw. Yeah, it was. It's a. I mean, Bob was slightly concerned about that as our first episode because he felt. If people are coming to it with expectations of something, because the, the series did seem to go down very well, and, and especially people came to it late, like yourself, you know. I think sort of word of mouth got round that he's, there's something quite beguiling about the programme, which Bob and I still don't quite know how or why, other than it's very real, I think. And it, it it's exactly what happened in real life, you know? Yeah. And, and and so it's a genuine reflection of of what happened on e- on each day or, yeah, or it's weekend. No, it's no, no contrivance. It's not how can we you know let's find a vehicle for these two old gits before they die. <laughs> you know? it, yeah, it just it did emerge out of out of real life. You know, well as real as it gets. You know, was Bob concerned about this first episode because he didn't catch a fish? Well, you know, there's not a lot of drama involved in the fish catching area there are two you know we i catch two lovely small brown trout which for me uh, you know i have no desire to catch big fish or loads of fish well i do but it's not it doesn't bother me if i don't i've I've done that quite a bit you know so for me to catch a lovely wild trout you know on the on the usk is fantastic and it is a river that i caught my first trout on fishing with my dad as a kid on a you know sit there with a worm (laughs) And so, for me, it had, it had uh, those kind of things. I, I think, yeah, I think Bob sort of felt perhaps it wasn't dramatic or it was like, very like an episode from the last series. And I said, yeah, exactly, Bob. That's exactly what it needs to be, you know. <laughs> we don't need to... What do you think he's expecting? Like something different, ch- a change of pace or something? He, I think what he felt, and he's correct in a way to raise the point, is that People come into it with expectations that they've heard about the series and it's actually just a gentle, you know, it's like a, a, what, how can I put it without damning with faint praise? It's like a standard episode. You know, there's nothing, nothing leaps out at you. There's no, like you say, there's no great fish, there's no loads of fish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a salmon does leap at one point. Yes, I saw but, um, it. Yeah, Bob saw it. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if you see it. It's quite funny. The, yeah, uh, I, I, I think I do see it way, way off down the or yeah. I see the rings afterwards, yeah, when I look round, yeah. And um, it's, um, I think he felt, it, you know, it's it's like a sort of episode two or, you know what I mean, episode yeah. three. Would it be, you know, and I said, but the whole point, Bob, is that, you know, we're not, we're not making a crash, bang, wallop comedy at all. And it's uh, it's beautiful, and you know, as a it has a resonance for me, obviously, as it's the river that I caught my first trout in with my dad, and I, I did tip his ashes in, in into the river. That was very moving. Uh, I, I like the way yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob sort of just edged away, didn't he? He sort of said, "I'll, I'll leave you yeah, to it." Yeah, then. Yeah, I've seen a bit. Yeah, and, and it was lovely. I mean, you know, you know that obviously then becomes a private thing. But I, 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 I do, I have tipped my dad into three rivers in various parts of the country and I did make a joke which we cut out because it is quite funny which is that if and like if they did an archaeological dig and, and came up with it, 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 his ashes were mixed in with two of his dogs <laughs> right 
they found it, like in about a thousand years, if somebody did some kind of archaeological <laughs> dating, they'd see, what is this? A, a dog man? We have no, I've never seen such a species. But then, of course, there are two other sites. 300 miles away, <laughs> which would confirm the existence of this species. Yeah. Because the, Only look, found we in have rivers. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> aqua dog, human. And they cut that out, did they? What a, what a shame. Because I, I, I have. Well, we, yeah, we just thought it's, it's too much of a gag. And, and actually, you know, it was, a, it was a sweet and touching and genuine moment. And, yeah. And it was a river that I used to fish with my dad and where I caught my first trout. So you're going in, dad, you know. I was. I mean, this was a question I was going to come later, but actually, you mentioned your dad. How important was it to have that mentor to get into fishing? Well, I think, um, uh, I think I say in you know some of our reflections. When I was a kid, I mean, I grew up in sort of suburban North London. Although I was born in the Rhondda Valley, we moved when I was very young up to. So I grew up in that environment, and although my dad was a fisherman, strangely. Every kid around my street went fishing. We all, all the boys anyway, we all would get up Saturday morning and get an early train or get on our bikes and go up to the River Lee, the canal in Enfield, or, or we go out to Chesham and Broxbourne. And gradually, as we got older, I think a few of us joined the fishing club, uh, the London Anglers, which was affiliated to London Anglers Association, and that opened up waters that were more secluded and private so gradually as we grew we sort of entered this world of that you a non-fisher would not even have noticed or even had access to or seen you know or even yeah, thought that that's, that's appealing so i think that yeah and, and I, I mean i remember those days so vividly as a you know even as a kid and, and we were kind of, we, we would like we'd get the train to Cheshire and then walk about two miles, three miles, you know, with our fishing gear. When you're a little kid, a long old slept, you know, and we would go at breakneck speed along the towpath to get to where we wanted to be on this, you know. Was it the Lee? And it was, yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah. yeah the old River Lee, which historically has associations uh, with angling because uh, Isaac Walton wrote The Complete Angler in the 1650, whatever, you know. He, yeah, um, I, I remember I, I lived up that way once. Um, yeah, I used to watch big, was it big shoals of bream in there or something? I can't remember. There were yeah, big, there would big, be. Big, I mean, big shoals in the spawning, yeah. Um, yeah, there would be, yeah. Um, but on the old river, Lee, there's, you know, and its tributaries, there's like a, like a trout stream, you know, and, and chub and dace and roach and barbel. And it was a, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a magical little kingdom that the uh, London Anglers Association opened up to us, you know. But uh, but also, yes, my dad was a fisher. So that meant, uh, you know, my dad was of that generation where, you know, they didn't talk about things. You know, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't keep an eye on you when you went out in the morning. You went off to play and you came back in the evening. That was that. And also of that generation, you know, they weren't, they weren't particularly touchy-feely. So the fact that we had um, fishing as our sort of bond meant that we did stuff with each other until right up to the end of his life, you know. And it gave us that uh, a real bond, which um, I'm not sure, you know, would I have been an a, a angler or a fisher if my dad hadn't been? 
Maybe, but maybe it would have fallen by the wayside like it did with so many of my mates when they grew up, you know? I think that's but for me, it carried on. That's it. I think that um, I, you, it's how people get into fishing. I can see the beginning. Mm. I remember my dad taking me for the very first fishing trip, and I, I could tell that he wasn't, that if it, it was something he felt he had to do rather than something mm. he really loved doing. <laughs> and we caught Yeah, that's our, a bit like me and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> with the new series, is there, is there a favorite episode in particular that we should look at that you. Well, I mean. I think, as I say, the Wales one is a, a sort of gentle reintroduction to the series. But there are other episodes that are perhaps funnier and a bit more dramatic. Episode two, we go carp fishing. In the home of uh, carp fishing, Essex. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, I mean, that's more sort of obviously funny and more dramatic in terms of size of fish that we catch because carp fishing is... Isn't it? Yeah, Bob and I are not sort of um, not carp fishing has kept fishing, course fishing going in this country. Really, the explosion of popularity uh, in popularity of carp fishing, but it's something that has become very technical and very specialised. Boilies. I remember. I remember doing a doing features yeah. on boilies for a fishing magazine once. Yeah. Well, extraordinary things. Oh my things. god, they're all sort of weird. They have bulk yeah. hair, pop up boilies. It's like jelly beans. Rigs, helicopter yeah. rigs. Yeah. Um, they're high protein baits that, and it's a very technical and very specialist fishing. But it, uh, I, I mean, that's not the only uh, way of fishing for carp, or, or the only modern way. There are lots of call on sort of rope, well, what we used to be called roach poles, but um, you can still catch carp using traditional methods, and that, that's what we prefer to do. So we try and juxtapose the two really, and we we do a little bit of traditional fishing, and we. Uh, get a bit of help with some high-tech specialist stuff as well. So do you go into that carp culture, that whole sort of, because it does yeah, feel we like do there's a, little, a carp. Yes, exactly. We, yeah, we explore that a bit. But it's not really our world, you know, it's not for us really. But hats off to them, as I say, because they've, to an extent, kept uh, fishing sort of as a, you know, popular and kept the tackle industry going to a certain yeah. extent. I guess they're, you know. they're not having the same sort of intimate I mean, you're having these intimate conversations with each other, but it seems like you're having a sort of intimate relationship with nature. It, when you're on the usk, it feels like you're very much there alone in this wild place. Well, you're, yeah, exactly. You're in it and you're immersed in it. But, I mean, you know, those, those, the carp fishers, you know, they, they live out on the on their lakes, you know, for so they do immerse themselves in it and yeah, they become, yeah. you, know, they, they, you know, they stay out for three or four days at a time, you know, and they're very dedicated and uh, a lot of them are very good. And a, and a lot of them have gone sort of moved away from that kind of industrial approach and gone back to, you know, like very uh, low-key sort of stalking, um, fishing in the margins with very, you know, a very uh, sort of stealthy approach as well. So, you know, there's, there's, it's a broad church, as yeah. they say. I mean, the, the, uh, talk of fish species, the, the big... The only disappointment of the last series was was not seeing a pike on the in the pike episode, and I know you've got a plan this time. This is it, Loch Earn in Northern well, Ireland. Um, yeah, we we go to Loch Earn. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, the, the irony of that is that we Bob and I went pike fishing for fun with John Bailey, our sort of fishing. Uh, oh, I know John Bailey. Yeah, he's on a series. Do you know John? Right? Yeah, a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, and uh, and he caught Bob caught a pike and nearly well. 
he claims it was £31. John and I say 29 you know, because we're not letting him have a £30 yeah, bike. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, so, uh, but this time we were urged by the BBC to go to more regional places. So it's not, um, you know, we said, well, we thought, well, we should really, you know, to do, because part of the joy of the show and what we wanted to do was highlight how beautiful um, the environment is on our doorsteps and in, in our country and, uh, and in Scotland and Wales and, and Northern Ireland. So we were sort of urged by the BBC, you know, to uh, go a bit further afield. You in know? the BBC sort of diversity drive that you have to go and... Yeah. It was yeah. sort of kind of. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of expected of us, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, there, there are places you can find all those species, maybe with the exception of the salmon, uh, you know, slightly closer to home, but you know, part of the joy of the program is to highlight the timeless wonder of the British countryside. Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, so I'm, um, I'm, I'm struggling to think how Bob would react if he gets a pike on the line. <laughs> I think I can imagine it. Uh, you know, I mean, Bob, Bob gets overexcited and or scared, you know, yeah. by a roach. So yeah, you can imagine <laughs> what he's like with a pike. You know, I mean, even when we were practicing, started to. <laughs> Again, I, d- I don't know if we used it in the final edit. I don't think we did. He started doing gorilla, being a gorilla. <laughs> like a playful gorilla cub, you know, while I'm trying to fish. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. Uh, fish, fish aren't surprised or scared by the human voice particularly. But they really don't like vibrations on the bank, you know. Yeah. So this half-wit running up and down on his all fours being a gorilla is probably scared off every self-respecting cartwood in miles. But uh, anyway... <laughs> I mean, it's, yes, and, I mean, there's clearly frustration sometimes. I mean, Bob, in the first of the second series, he says you, that you're fishing with a buffoon, but he, yes. he caught. But he got. He did catch some good fish in the first series. And and do you think he's improved yeah. a bit as a as a fisherman? Well, I think um, he does. You know, he, he he pulls it out of the bag a couple of times in this series as well. He really does. And um, but fish fishing is about disappointment as well. You know, yeah. that's. Uh, so, like, not catching a pike is absolutely fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, yeah, I, think, I, I wouldn't go so far to say character building, but, you know, it, it, it's nice to have, um, to be able to enjoy the day without necessarily, you know, having a fist at the end of it. I mean, obviously, that's what you want. Bob made a very good point once. He said, the best fisherman is not the or ang- let's keep it at angler so we're not keeping it gender uh, specific. Yeah. The best angler is not the one that catches the most or the biggest, but the one that enjoys the day the most, which I thought was very, he's cleverer than he lets on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a very succinct and um, very lovely way of looking at a pursuit, isn't it? It is, although he's the one who who always sort of disappears first from the river to go and make food or or go and be, yes, a, be a gorilla. True. Yeah, so, but, uh, but that's part of it, you know. But yeah. maybe those those elements are part of the enjoyment of the day and make him the best the best fisher. <laughs> yes, that he's happy at the end. But, and, uh, yeah. Yes, he, actually, he's often the one that is most difficult to get off the river at the end of the day. He he, re- he really does seem to enjoy it. You know, I mean, there are some days obviously it's bitterly cold. I mean, in one episode, we fished for grazing on the River Ewell in Yorkshire, and it's freezing cold. 
and uh, we we struggle, and not least because the river rises two feet while we're fishing, and that's usually apart from the first like couple of inches of a rise, is dead. That kills it usually. It certainly makes life difficult, and um, by the end of that day, <laughs> he's lost the interest in the entire concept of angling. <laughs> <laughs> but he's back with a lot of enthusiasm the next day, you know, okay. a new day. And, and he's, he's, as I say, I mean, I've been around the block quite a bit. And his enthusiasm is greater than mine often. And, you know, for with both anticipation and, you know, at the end of the day, much as he loves a pub, uh, he'll fish on, you know. He, and he thinks, he thinks quite hard about it. So what he makes lacks in uh, finesse. And tactical <laughs> ability and technique, he makes up for it with enthusiasm and um, and, and and putting the hours in. <laughs> There's a lesson for life there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The, I mean, talking about the sort of comparing the two of you. The last time we spoke to you, you said uh, if if you had to be a fish, you'd like to be a tench sleeping at the bottom of a lake. Um, what species would Bob be then if he if he was a fish? Well, I think I should give that to Bob, really, shouldn't I? Yeah. Because Bob's, I mean, Bob's... Well, it'd be great if we could get him on the line, but he, he's, uh, he's, he's sloped off, and uh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll get him at some stage. Oh, right, yeah, he's well, slipped it'd the be hook. nice to get him on the line, because he has, yeah. Uh, he hasn't taken the bait, eh? No. Well, uh, um, I'm surprised, because he likes country farm. So I think they're recording and a big night out, though. That's, that's oh, In fact, right. they are, I know. This yeah. is the... Uh, this, the, this is a record day today. So. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, he's busy. Um, yeah, they do, they're actually doing it right now in the studio. I went in the other day on my way to the theatre. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that, this is the record day today. Ah, um, tricky man. Yeah. But, yeah, actually, he's more suited to be a tent, really, I think. Because he likes to just sit and watch telly, apart from the occasional football match or fishing trip. He, he really sits in front of the TV. So you're well, a pair of tent. You're a pair of tench sitting at the bottom of the lake. I think I'm more of a. I think um, I'm more of a trout. Ah, okay. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I've redefined myself. On, on that subject, course, course or game? Where, where would you, if you had to choose between? I know you're a, you're an all rounder by the look of things. I mean, it's great. Uh, well, I am a bit. I am a bit of an all rounder. I, I, if I were restricted to one thing, I would say the fly because I I reckon I can catch. You can catch most species of fish course or game on the, and we shouldn't call them course really it's ridiculous distinction yeah it's based yeah. on our old victorian snobbery as i'm sure you know mm. um yes, I, I, if i was restricted to, if i was restricted to one method which you know it would be the fly because you can it, under certain circumstances catch most fish using a, a variant of a fly or a, a lure tied like a fly I've I've seen people fly fishing for pike. Even is that is that? Is I've that done. Thing? I've caught. I've caught. I've caught some big pike on fly. Yeah, I caught. Um, oh. In fact, when I took Bob fishing one of our first trips, I don't know. Uh, I I sort of set him up with a guy I knew who's a good course angler and, and trotting, you know, float fishing for grayling. And I went off to do this quite specialised fly fishing for pike, and I hadn't caught anything for three hours, and I was thinking. He's going, to, he's going to call me on this. He's going to suss me out. And I caught one of about five pounds, luckily, just as the light started to go slightly. I thought, well, at least I've saved face. And then within the next five minutes, I caught one of over 20 pounds. So that, that that's my fate. You know, Bob then just looks like, wow, he really does know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, that's so, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, um, 
it was a it was a good moment. I've yeah, I've caught a few. In fact, even on the first series, I caught a couple of pike on the fly. But we it wasn't on our pike day. It wasn't. But, a, it was when we were fishing for roach. But I just took myself off fly fishing and caught a couple of pike. And we didn't use that bit in the series because it wasn't it wasn't germane, you know, yeah, to shame, uh, but, uh, to uh, the yeah. to the species and episodes, you know, we were doing so. And then, of course, when we went to do, as you pointed out, when we went on the actual pike fishing day, <clears throat> we didn't catch anything. Well, we did two days on the on the test and uh, fruit mill on the store, Dorset store. But, um, yes, That's if what I was happens, restricted, yeah. 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 If I was restricted, I would uh, fish the fly. And because and I, I like, I love casting the fly. It's lovely. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a graceful sort of, it's a very active but, as well, a very active sort of hunting. And it's kind of, active. Yeah. yeah. Then you can move about. You, or you, you don't have to. You know, you can pick your spots. You can sit down. You can, want, you know, take your time. There are ways of doing it so it's not frantic. But salmon fishing tends to be a bit more mobile because you, if you're salmon fly fishing, you're obliged to walk down the river, you know. You know, it's, it's sort of courtesy to keep going. Oh, really? Why and, is that um, then? Why don't, there's that part of the etiquette of salmon fishing that you Yes, keep, it is. Keep yeah, going. yeah. When I first started, yeah, you get in, you, you take two steps between cars, three steps, and get going in case somebody else is coming along, you know, behind oh, you. And then, so you, yeah. People have paid a lot of money for that, so you've got to you got to get get on get on with it. You get out of the way and let them have a go. Yeah, <laughs> right, whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, one of the it's it's funny and moving that the sort of underlying underlying thread running through is about health and mortality. Yeah, and obviously you both. Have yeah, I mean, if, it, if, with if, if if that weren't in it, it would it, it wouldn't mean anything really. Well, it might mean something, you know, two old friends sort of, you know, taking up a pursuit that reunites them after a, an absence, but. The heart disease, again, was crucial. I, I sort of was Bob's, I was going, uh, going to be, so I was appointed his stent buddy by myself and a couple of friends, you know, having had the procedure myself. Yeah. And, uh, and, and but then at the last minute, obviously his uh, condition was worse, so required the open heart surgery. And, um, and it was that, that it was his response to that which is, you know, understandably negative, but meant that he, if he wasn't careful, he would have become a recluse, you know. And I sort of badgered him into coming out because it's something we promised each other to do for a long time, which was go fishing, and we just never got round to it. And uh, I thought, if we don't now, we might never. <laughs> so, Has it changed your... I mean, obviously it has changed your outlook on life, but in what ways has sort of a brush with death changed both your outlooks on on life as has it made you kind of live every life as if it's your last or is, it, is that a bit of a cliche do you just sort of no i think i think it's more that is more current for bob than it is for me bob's brush with um mortality if you like uh was, uh, was much more obvious and recent than mine i'd actually been ill a long time before with a, a gut problem and uh, that was that was very dramatic and nearly fatal. And so I had my moment of um, my sort of chance, if you like, to, you know, recapture life a long time ago. And it was actually as a result of that and the monitoring of my 
condition after that that they found my heart problem and uh, you know and the narrowing of my artery to 10% which meant, meant I had to have uh, three stents put in and that wasn't very dramatic for me it, the stent procedure is fairly straightforward you're in and out in a day or so and um, so I didn't have that life-threatening drama that Bob had which meant he, he had to change everything in his life quite quickly and I, I'd had that a decade earlier you know so, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so no, I, I, you know, I'm a long way past the stent technology, and I do a lot of rehab exercise. So my life has changed very much in that respect. I thought it was interesting what you said about recapturing, recapturing life. So that was a that's an interesting phrase that it's almost like you you you've let it slip away and you've you've captured. Well, it, 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 it it's not like I let it slip away because I had a very dramatic, you know, incident. Yeah. And um, it was a few months before I realised that I would be okay, you know. And mm. But it's such a long time ago that um, I try not to revisit it very often. And uh, actually, doing only fools and horses, I think the, the, the strain of that brought, <laughs> brought it back to me quite seriously at one point. And uh, I, I, I'm so beyond it now, and so I'm so immersed in the sort of rehab that I've done, and I work probably more now than I ever have done, actually, in terms of you know things that I've got going on. So um, it was quite a shock to get a, a, another dose of <laughs> my, you know, or a reminder of that time, and. Um, and I, you know, I think I don't dwell on it particularly, but I think initially for Bob, it was a real, it was a, it was a real problem for him. My surgeon said to me, "I'm not, I didn't put stents in your heart for you to go and sit by the fire." So you know, so I thought, right, I'll go on tour with Harry, and you know, we did go on tour, and, him, and Bob was just about to go on tour with Jim, you know, at the time, and Harry and I, Harry Enfield and I were on tour when Bob's heart problem was um, was noticed i think maybe you know it was the, the insurance medical <laughs> you know the and the the upcoming stress of a tour as you get older thinking oh uh that that actually you know alerted bob to his condition he claims his surgeon said he would have dropped dead in southampton given his schedule <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah but yeah i mean in a sense Talking about it with Bob, you know, has, has been helpful for, for us. But you know, what what has been very rewarding about the program, and you know, obviously we were, we did, although the program came to us on the riverbank as an idea, I'm, I'm I was very conscious that the heart health element is, is crucial. Otherwise, it's just two guys aren't having a jolly. And and what has been rewarding and really, um, well, we you know we're a couple of old cynical comedians you know i mean we've been going for years and what we've had is a very heartwarming response from people who have said it's really made me go and check myself or you know or my dad to go and get checked or my dad's just come out of surgery he's going to take up fishing again uh you know we've had so many letters and emails and just people who you meet in the street who have been genuinely moved to look after themselves or encourage their family or loved ones to get checked out so what i what i felt yeah. was that it um 
there's so much emphasis on youth and health and everything in the sort of advertising and media and you know, magazines. And yeah. I'm but this is a really open and warming to aging, ill health, and those things. And yeah. actually, you know, when you find yourself sitting on a sofa, just sort of shaking with with a giggle, mm. <laughs> two men talking about death, it's it's yes. actually I think that's quite healthy. And um, yes, it's life affirming. Yeah, Bob claims that's a phrase I overuse, but you know. I mean, if anything comes out of it that's beneficial, if it's that, then, it, you know, that, that's a, that's great. But, yeah, I mean, we're obviously we're very conscious that, you know, part of the show is to is to encourage and to show people, look, you know, we've been, both been through these things. You, you can sit around and mope about them or you can go and do stuff. It's not it's not the end of the world, you know. Yeah, I think that's a really good message. Um, mm. If you... Uh, and on, on a sort of slightly lighter note on that theme, um, if there was one place you'd like to fish or could only fish one more place before you die, what where would that mm-hmm. be? Where which stretch or which part, or which which river, which waterway would you would you find want to be? Oh, I mean that's uh, you know, okay. All right, I'll go with it, but uh, I'm just going to say that's a daft question, isn't it? It's never <laughs> going to happen, is it? <laughs> but I would have asked it. I would ask Bob the same as well. So yeah. I get it. It's a legitimate question. I, I but mean, can more, I more about it, it's really what's your favourite? What's your favourite river? I know, I know. Yeah. Well, I would probably say the River Dee in Scotland. Uh, okay. Why? Because um, I go. I went there every year for twenty odd years with my friend, oldest friend, uh, and my dad. So I would say that, or. I might say the test, you know, with Bob. Yeah. Okay. So I would, I'm going to pick two. If I was limited to one country, it would be Iceland, which is my favourite sort of fishing destination outside, because it's still wild and remote and untouched and unspent there. So there is potential for a sort of a broad series three then, if if you could choose. Oh, there is. Yeah. Not Marcia in the Himalayas, but maybe uh, wild salmon in the... <laughs> well, that was... Yes, I remember him tell, telling me about that. Yeah, he's he's done yeah. a few programs on it, hasn't he? It's, uh, he's it's, been yeah. John's John's had a a, a really you know, interesting life, and he's a great he's a great great bone fishing in the Everglades, something like that. I've done well, I've done bone fishing in Cuba and Venezuela, yeah. Seychelles. I've been around a bit, but um, in recent years, because of my heart. I've been unable to go to places that are really remote, just in case, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a because I mean, some of these places, are, you know, it's a, it's a real trek. It's a, it's a couple of flights. It's a boat, you know, and you're in the middle of nowhere with absolutely zero facilities, never mind healthcare. And so, although my, uh, you know, surgeon said I didn't put a stent in for you to sit by the fire, I, I don't <laughs> think uh, you know uh, a float off the coast of Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with no health care he wouldn't recommend that yeah, Falklands, or, Falklands and yeah. uh, Antarctica and various yeah um, <laughs> I know yeah. so I'm afraid there's a few places I won't be going well yeah. I think I think mid Wales can be tricky at times <laughs> well it can be can't it <laughs> <laughs> so um, last question um, yeah uh, who can I just say something yeah. about mid Wales and the yeah. Please I just do. want to say one thing that I'm my dad used to take a friend of his and his friend's son fishing 
and uh, I would go sometimes with them. But one trip, they went to the Usk, uh, Krakow, around that way. Yeah. yeah and um, so not far from you, really. Yeah, but, absolutely. I know um, well, yeah. Uh, what's that hotel? Um, the Bear Hotel? Sort of, Is it the Bear? No, it's like that Italian. It's got a... It's like a, almost like a folly. It's quite a well-known hotel. Uh, Glyphos. Uh, is it the Glyphos? Glyphos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. up in that, yeah. uh, tucked away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I think they stayed there or fished that stretch. I think it was there anyway. And they they went down to the, um, um, among many trips, but this one particularly, they went down. And by the time they got down to River Tony, my dad's friend was quite severely. Uh, uh, well, he was, on a, you know, he was in a wheelchair, so he, they sort of left him by the river, not callously. Went back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, and started off, yeah, and went home. No, they left him while they went prospecting up the river, and he, he, he they sort of left him by the river in a nice, nice bit. And when they came back two hours later, this guy never has never fished. He's not interested in fishing, but his son was, and obviously my dad's a you know, pretty good fisherman, so... He'd take the, the young man off fishing. And t- they came back to see Tony, and he'd been sitting there for two hours. And they said, how are you doing, Tony? He said, it was the nearest, closest thing to paradise I've ever experienced. And he just sat there for two hours. Uh-huh. And he'd probably never done that ever in his life, in a kind of almost enforced paradise, because he couldn't move. Yeah. And just watch just the river go by. Drinking, watch the river go by, watch the wildlife come and go, listen to the birds. And I always thought that you get that fishing, whether you're aware of it or not. That is a very good reason to go and drown some worms or flies on the, on the river. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, That's it, a brilliant it, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get that. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time wildlife watching, but it is that moment mm. of actually yes not quite enforced but just stopping and yeah. it probably it probably takes about i reckon it takes about 20 minutes to drift into the into the yeah. kind of it does. i remember doing it once yeah it really does and and and, and those pursuits that make stop you in the countryside are the one you know walking through you don't get quite the same i mean I'm, we should not say that walking around me doesn't give you that same feeling but that it's that stillness almost Sometimes you need. I remember doing it once on the Dean. Like you know, you fish for a bit and then you stop. You sit on the river bank and you, know, you might you see a deer or whatever. You know, or it won't be anything even as dramatic. I remember one day, literally sitting down for half an hour, listening to bird song, and just laughing at the absurdity and uh, musicality of the birds. You know, and uh, how often do you actually really sit and do nothing but listen to bird song? You know. Like that, it was, it was, but I, I, I think fishing gives you an excuse to stand still in the countryside. Which, yes, um, you, if you stand still in the countryside, and there are other people, it comes around, to you, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. and, but also if you don't have a fishing rod in your hand, people look a bit look at you a bit strangely if you're standing yeah. there for a long time. So you could, it's like yeah. a disguise. You could, oh, he's fishing. Yeah, I suppose that's the difference I'm trying to make without denigrating walking at all. You know. Yeah. If you stand still it, or, or you become part of it, it, it gradually comes to you. Uh, whereas walking, you're sort of always on your way through it, going to trying to find it. That was such a lot of fun. And Paul Whitehouse, what a lovely man. 
There was a fair bit more that we talked about and some of it not suitable for podcast, but you can read much more in my feature about Paul in our September issue of BBC Countryfile magazine. So sadly, this is the last in the series, but please do keep tuning in. We'll be back in a few weeks for our third series and we already have some terrific stories and adventures to tell you about. In the meantime, if you love the countryside, visit our website for walks, holiday ideas, news stories and lots about the TV show, all at countryfile.com. And don't forget we have a beautiful and multi-award winning print magazine too, which you can find in newsagents and big supermarkets. So thanks very much for listening and goodbye for now. <laughs>